by now you're you're probably familiar with the term resilience. It's a it's a word that's often rolled out in close proximity to disaster after floods, fires, cyclones around the Pacific. The two ideas sit easily together. Low-lying island states are testing their capacity for resilience thanks to thanks to climate change. Now, this might involve strengthening flood defences, cyclone-proofing new structures, in some cases entire villages being relocated. But resilience in the built environment goes hand-in-hand hand with building resilience for those living in it, and, it, and it's a particular concern. Uh, for our next guest. Her name is Luata Ho. She is Fiji's only architecturally trained Indigenous woman. Uh, she's the founder of the architectural practice Women Build. Luata, hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> I- introduce us to the, the built environment in Fiji. How, how would you describe the, the breadth of, of structure found in Fiji today? Fiji, um, I think the structures are still very... Uh, how can I say it? Heavy, <laughs> design heavy. <laughs> Colonial uh, buildings are still uh, evident. A bit of, I think, more influence um, are contemporary for architects who have been trained overseas. Uh, they bring that knowledge back uh, to the country and they develop from that uh, sort of area. For the villages, if I was to say, the vernacular is hardly anything um, in the villages. At the moment, most of the structures are just, I call them tin shacks, and they're just corrugated iron that uh, just have been used for shelter. And what was the pre-colonial vernacular in Fiji, the, the structures that in, in villages before colonial times? It was Fijian bures. There were different types of uh, spaces of the vernacular. There were spaces uh, that were for visitors, there were spaces for homes, there were religious spaces, and there were also um, hierarchical spaces where there was the chief's uh, homes, you know. So there was, there was different kinds of buildings, a variety of buildings. Is it, I mean, is it, 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 given the circumstances we now confront um, with, you know, changing climate and, and the, the way circumstances are shifting around that, uh, is, is there something useful to be learned by looking back to those traditional structures? Yes, I think there's a lot to learn. And uh, the value uh, that it carries with it, because in its location, uh, for, you know, the, the climate, I mean, I, I, I strongly feel that our forefathers, they understood the climate really well. And uh, they would have built to suit climate. So with, with the, the villages in different locations, different areas, the form of the building is different. And that's something that kind of hasn't been researched uh, clearly. I mean, most of the research available on that is, is uh, mostly a generalization. Mm. But there's no in-depth uh, knowledge on how these and why these buildings were, were made such a way, the vernacular were made such a way. Because in some areas they were cylindrical, um, they were cylindrical. Some areas they were squares. Some areas they were rectangular. So you know that's interesting. That's really interesting. What, what were they adapting to? How were they trying that's, to? That's right. Those mm. are the questions that needs to be asked. What were they adapting to? You know, from what? And and cyclones is not something new in that context. There's a lot to learn from um, our vernacular. Tell us more about Architects Without Frontiers. It's, it's such an interesting idea. I mean, what, what does that organisation do and how did you become involved? 
Uh, I got involved with Architects Without Frontiers as a volunteer. When I started work on the project for the women in my community, me and my colleagues, there's the two Australian girls that I started work with, Emma Healy and Lucia Wellington. We then worked in collaboration by getting the project to become under Architects Without Frontiers, mainly because we were also young, uh, just uh, out of university. Hmm. So we needed the support. So uh, Architects Without Frontiers uh, gave that gave us that support uh, to develop for us to be able to develop the project and uh, work with our with the community. So we travelled a few times to Fiji during the course of our um, course of the project. And I think with Architects Without Frontiers, they gave us that platform to be able to um, engage and uh, work closely with the with the women. And then your own practice, Women Build, how, how, how does that work? What's its, what's its guiding <laughs> principle? Women Build is in development. <laughs> <laughs> Women's development. I think one of the things that got me to, to think about having the, the practice was when I, it, it was really that question, what does she do? <laughs> <laughs> the eternal question. That was that question. What does she do? <laughs> and so that came about uh, Women Build. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, like that revelation is that women also can uh, do this work. And I just want to do more work in the community. Women Build uh, came about to do that. And, and how important is it to, to deal directly with the women in those communities? It's very important. You know, what I found is that when working closely with them, I, I also am learning from them. The, the many assumptions that sometimes, you know, when we, uh, we are educated overseas, when we are, have, a, you know, um, those sorts of um, external influences in our, in our life. But then when you go down to the grassroots level, it's just so honest, so simple, and uh, so genuine. Those are the lessons that uh, I received and the gifts that I received from working with the women. So I, I found myself wanting to be there to support, you know, just to be a support and just to give them a sense of confidence to be, be able to be part of process, whether it be development process, whether it be design process, or whether if they just need some questions they needed to ask and, you know, and also them being able to share with me. You know, one of the things that I've learned, a story that was told, like when I was in one of the meetings, sitting in one of the meetings, there was a story of a single, a widower, a mom, you know, it's a very inspirational story mm. where uh, her husband passed away and uh, they didn't have a home. And so she would uh, weave some mats, you know, sell them, and then she'd build the, you know, the post of the house. And then she'd do uh, something and sell them, and then she'd have the walls of the house. And before you know it, she's got her whole home. She's built a home for her, her and her children. So it's these sorts of stories that inspires me. And so it makes me realize that there's a lot of capacity that we can work with within the community. If only we can just look and listen. You won an award uh, for a women's centre. Tell us the story of that building. Yes, um, that's with Architects Without Frontiers. It was an amazing project because it was something we didn't 
believe it would be possible at the beginning. You know, it was, it, it was an idea, an idea that grew out from the women. You know, their dream, they had this dream of a meeting house. And then I just came in from university, just trying to do a project for my, um, to finish my course and to do my degree. And I really had that expectation that um, it was going to go on to be a, you know, built pro uh, project. <laughs> the, their resilience, I think, because as, as the journey went, you know, there was no funds. We started off, there was no funds. So we, we used to just, uh, they would uh, put money aside. So it was called a Sangamoli. Uh, that was really, uh, it was a dollar. <laughs> they would put aside a dollar. <laughs> so that Sangamoli was very important because that was kind of what established the project itself to become, you know, what it is now. Sangamoli, the dollar. Trying to get them to be part of the process of the building, getting uh, feedback from them and, you know, uh, and at the same time, the organization itself were developing. It, it was an indigenous women's organization. They used to have meetings in the garage. This was kind of like a development, but also the development of the organization as well mm. at the same time, hand in hand. And then once the, the project was handed over, you know, they took ownership of it. So it was kind of the process actually built their capacity them as well as I, I, I feel that I, it built my capacity as well to reach to that level where they are able to receive the women's centre and to uh, take ownership of it. This is what architecture can do on all those levels. At, at the finished building, can you describe how it looks? It's a, it's a, it's a traditional bure, the form of it, and that form was, was taken from a, a village in Yasawa. It's a district of Tawake, but uh, mm -hmm. I think the village is Yasawa. When we were talking with the ladies, you know, all they would say was, um, you know, they were lamenting that, oh, you know, we've lost our law, you know, we've lost um, our buildings, the bure in, in the Fijian, uh, they were speaking in Fijian. And um, so the intention was, um, oh, you know, if we could find the remnants of, of Ambure within the province, because the building is situated in the province, so if we can find a remnant of, of Ambure within the province, you know, that could, you know, inform what the, the building would be like. So that, that informed the form of the building. That's a rich process. I, and I'm wondering, you mentioned at the, at the beginning of our conversation, Luata, of, of many village buildings you described, I think, as, as, as um, tin, tin sheds of, of corrugated iron and sheetings. Which, of course, is, is not a good material for the challenges that places like Fiji face with climate change. So there's, there's much work to be done in, in building that, that structural resilience in communities. Yes, it's a lot of work to be done. And I think the resilience is very important. But the thing is, the resilience comes from the community themselves. For pre uh, professionals like us, you know, community resilience is the people themselves. They have to inform the process of the development, of relocation, you know. I think uh, one of the things that's kind of a challenge for practitioners is, is that when we talk with the community, they'll always agree to what you say, you know, hmm. and devaluing their own knowledge. And that's one thing that uh, I hope changes, uh, that the community realises 
that their, their, their knowledge is very valuable to our, to, you know, developing resilience within the community. Those sorts of knowledge is very much needed for climate uh, resilient developments. Well, Luata, I guess the thing now is, is to listen and to, and, and to build with that knowledge. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Luata Ho, a Fijian uh, Indigenous architect and founder of the architectural practice Women Build. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.